you don't just practice something. You have to be practicing the right, <laughs> the right skills. And when I say right, I mean thought out skills. This was not a thought out skill. This was what they did was a recreational gas share that they learned in Scuba One Hundred and One, and that's it. That's what they did. They did. They did not do a technical deep uh, rescue there. Air no, share, they did not. Yeah, yeah. They they took a basic open water 101 skill and tried to apply it in 170 feet of water. Doesn't work very well. I swear they're listening to me. I did my deco procedures on you, Demi. <laughs> the Great Dive Podcast is hosted by your buddies, James and Brando. Purposely put in limits on our growth. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. That doesn't. We are. We are. We are not business geniuses. Hey, Brando. Hey, Jamesy. What's going on, man? I'm gonna put you in a good mood this morning. I'm always in a good mood. You're going to put me in a better mood is what you mean. I'm going to put you in a better mood. <laughs> you can't do that. I, I don't I don't I don't fly that way. Cuz we haven't we haven't done this in a while. All right. And um well mostly I I haven't seen anything that really jumped out and caught my eye, but we just got another really great review. Well, and this one I is worthy of reading. Because it's going to hit you right in the feels, my man. <laughs> I don't have a heart, though. <laughs> oh, I don't know. After this, the old the old heart of the black heart of the scuba <laughs> Grinch might grow three sizes after, read, after reading this one. Grinch. He, t- he titles this review, The Soul of Scuba Podcasts. The soul of scuba podcasts. See, I knew you'd like I, I, that. I, I knew that would catch your attention, right? Yes, there. that. Uh, it's not bad wording. I like it. I like it. Obviously, this person put some thought into this, so I, I'm my interest is peaked. He says, "Do I dare to give <laughs> four stars only?" <laughs> you goddamn better not. <laughs> <laughs> Just kidding, he says. No. <laughs> this podcast is a solid five stars. Nice. Doesn't that make you feel good? That's pretty good. That's pretty good. But he doesn't stop there. See, we need these. We need these reviews read at least once every other week because sometimes, you know. To keep how the long motivation would... alive. To right. keep the spirit alive. And here's the thing. it's it's. I think, you know... Maybe that our only corporate sponsor is PFOG. I think the industry <laughs> is trying to 
carry us down a, a little bit. Push they're trying down. to silence yeah. us. They're trying yes. to, they're you know trying to shove a snorkel in our mouths. Well, that's to, what, uh, to mute us a little bit. But the people, the, the community people keep keeps yeah. giving these solid reviews. And by the way, you know, sponsoring us on on Patreon and and sending Thank us you. donations and. And and listening week after week, so it's the, the people out there are, are who this is for, anyways. Not those suits in the boardroom. That's exactly right. I mean, uh, the little guy's always been against that giant corporate mentality, and that's basically us, the, the little guy. And we have, we have, uh, what's the word? We have um, put ideologies in place to keep us. At, at, the, at least the little mentality, the little guy mentality. Well, Marcus says, I listen to every episode so far and enjoy not only the well-prepared topics, but also <laughs> the dynamic back and forth between James and Brando. Nice. There is much to listen to about diving in general, caves and training diving philosophy. Even the history lessons are worthwhile with contemporary stories and interesting perspectives on the adventures of the past. That's great. That's a, a good summary of of, uh, of 200 of and some yeah. shows. Yeah, yeah. 210 shows. We're on 211 this one. It's uh, not bad. Not bad for a couple of guys sitting around a bar going, Let's, we should package this conversation and... Give it to the masses because we're so <laughs> so so relevant. Yeah. You know who would have loved to been here for this conversation? Mm, everybody, everybody, <laughs> <laughs> the entire scuba community should be here. Let's force it on them. <laughs> he says in 2020, when dozens of podcasts, interview, and video series popped up. These two stayed on their course of providing original content in every episode. If you're sick of hearing the same person being interviewed on every other channel, come here and dive in. Just be sure to stay neutrally buoyant, he says. <laughs> he says the best thing diving related on your commute to work or to the dive site. Well, thank you, Marcus, for that fantastic review. Thanks, Marcus. That is uh, does uh, that does hit me a little in the feels. It's pretty. I nice. told you. Yeah, that well, makes me. You know, it's, it's a motivator. Keeps you going. Yeah, absolutely. And if there's anything that 2020 has taught us, it's that it's that you need some motivation <laughs> from time to time. Well, but. you got to search for it now a little bit. I mean, it's. I don't know how everybody else is getting, but this is getting old to me. Yeah, and it's been a while since we've updated the people on uh, the listening status of the show. But um, when we first got started, you know, it was a steady, steady, steady climb from 2017 to, to 2018. Was a, it was a big jump for us? Yeah. Uh, as that show got rolling, and then you know we nearly tripled our listenership in 2019 and grew again in 2020 and we're we're well on the way for uh 2021 so are we gonna double that's the plan for 2021 
I think we should have a little celebration type uh, episode if we do double it. We need to put some milestones, some some uh, mile, yeah, yeah, milestones, markers that we can celebrate occasionally. Our top Get three there. tracks, yeah, still, still number one is the to pee or not to pee. I thought Cayman Cowboys would have stolen that title. Like, P- was the P-Fog? Was it P-Fog? Th- that was the original P-Fog episode. Yeah. But yeah, to pee or not to pee, uh, number two is all I ever really needed to learn, or all I ever really needed to know I learned in my cave diving class. Oh, that's well, that's a great episode. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. then panic prevention still holding in at the, at the top. Yeah, there. good. Well, that I think that right there reading between the lines kind of tell you, tells you what people are looking for or how they're feeling about scuba diving. I mean, if you're going to look at the panic prevention, obviously, uh, and I'm thinking we have a lot of newer divers listening. Yeah, they have I, something I, I in the back agree. of right. They have something in the back of their mind that you know is is kind of scratching at them, and uh, people are looking for info on how to keep keep it cool, calm, collected down there. Yeah, exactly. And, uh, you know, I think that's what we learned the last couple of weeks with looking at where training really was, you know, at the beginning of scuba and where it's gone to today. And there's only one person that's on the losing end of that change. Right. That is exactly right. Yeah. Actually, it's two people. It's you and me. It's everybody. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. And by, by... yeah, by one person, I mean every diver. Everybody. Exactly. Very good. And, and real quick, because uh, I know the people out there are dying to know, number one top listening country is still Australia. America. Oh. America. I thought we had won over the whole continent of the land down under with our accents. But number two, mate. <laughs> Guess who number two is? Crikey. Now that's annoying, eh? Put on your budgie smugglers and have a listen to this, mate. Number two is Australia. Oi. And our Give me a Vegemite sandwich. What? And our good old buddies in the old Great White North coming in at number three. Our the good hosers. Friends. The hosers from the Great White. All ab- It's all about the hosers up there, eh? Ah, yeah, hey, good old Canada, <laughs> hey. Bear so me, crack bear me. A, <laughs> crack yourself a moose head, eh, and uh, thanks for listening. Bear me, you hoser. Take off. Welcome back to the Great Dive Podcast, everybody. You're here with your old budgie smuggler himself, Jamesy. <laughs> I, I have nothing. And, t- and, and good old... <laughs> Tim and just Brando. Tim and Timbit Brando. <laughs> oh, Brando. Okay, so so for the last few weeks, we've been talking a bit about training and where training was in the early days of scuba back in the 50s when, when those guys first put together a real regimented scuba training program, where that went down the road, what we were saying that meant to you as the scuba instructor out there uh, of, of trying to bridge that gap with where the, the, 
industry and the economy wants to take it to get more and more divers to make more and more money. And the, the other end of that of putting out quality divers that are going to dive for decades and be ambassadors to the underwater world and not just, you know, slap around with a C card, but not really have anything internal in them. Right. And we're going to get back to, to some fan favorite type stuff where we look at some disasters that occur when there's, there is that breakdown in training. Disasters, eh? Tragedy, tragic disasters, or just disasters, bad day disasters? Oh, we're going tragic. Okay. Works for TV. Works for the news. <laughs> well, it's the, um, I mean, often disaster strikes when, when you neglect to do some of the most simple and basics of your training. Well, I think... Yeah, obviously, yes. I you mean, know, that's, skipping that's, out on that little stuff. Yeah, but I think even more importantly, what what lacks, I mean, is it's not you don't have a, the correct mindset when you're when you're going on these dives, right? And that comes from your training. And I know as an instructor, you and I both as instructors, we try to impart. That's one of the biggest things we try to impart to our students is a mindset, a way of thinking, a way of looking at diving, the activity. I mean, the, 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 not that you're this Mr. Safety guy going around with a cape and a big S, but it's more like how you approach the diving with a plan and, you know, proper techniques and et cetera, et cetera. So. Yeah, it's, it's more than beginning with a re review and friend. It's more than right. boys will run after females. It's more it, than just checking your BCD and weights. And, right? it, it's, it's more than, uh, what else can we go with? The, we could go into this BWRAF thing because it's, uh, it's butt wipers. <laughs> butt, butt wipers rarely. Are really friendly. <laughs> butt wipers are really friendly. That's uh, going to be... <laughs> Okay. But it's more than just having the check. It's what you said. It's the mindset about getting ready for the dive. Right, because people come into scuba, a lot of them have never had lifestyles that, or, or jobs or careers that uh, required them to have this ultra safety consciousness. And what I mean by that is like this mindset I'm talking about, it was taught to me in the in the service, uh, and many of the jobs I had were were dangerous. I mean, if you uh, if you screwed up, if you weren't in the game, number one, and approaching the uh, task at hand with a seriousness and a safety mindset, people died. People will die and and died because of stupid mistakes and people not in the game and people not approaching it. So it kind of the military, I think, really does a good job of getting you in that mindset, putting you at least saying, like, listen, life's fun, the job's fun, it's exciting, but it's dangerous. And that's scuba diving right there. It's fun and ex yeah. it's exciting, but the consequences of fucking up can be really bad. Yeah, they're disastrous. Yes. <laughs> they're tragic. I mean, I, mean, I mean, how many times have you seen somebody go through that, that check Check a BCD, 
Yep. Check your butt. Check your wipers. It's not checked. Yeah. How many times have you seen somebody check their air? Yep, I checked my air, and it's still not turned on. Right. They they run. (laughs) They run. It's unconscious. Right. So, and that's what I mean about it's not about the acronym of the the check. It's the mindset of the diver before you even get to the check and throughout the check and after the check throughout the dive. Yeah. After the dive. Here, here's here's a little thing I used to like to do. You go up to the student, you whack on your wrist, meaning how much gas you got. They'll go and check, and then give me the numbers via hand signals. Okay, cool. I will ask them 30 seconds later how much gas you got. They'll go check again. Right, because they can't remember. They didn't remember. It didn't even register. <laughs> it, it, they, it they looked at a number and said it, but it didn't register. It didn't get into the processor and actually you know, go through the algorithm or, or the software or whatever you want to say. It's, it was just them fulfilling the task of telling me what's on their gauge. It wasn't them fulfilling the task of processing where they are w- with relationship to, to the uh, amount of gas they have. What Correct. Used, right? Now, as far as, as far as the completion of the skill goes, the box gets checked. Oh, yeah, they check their right? gas. Yeah. Right. Not but but we both know, and it's painfully evident, yeah. that there is there is no correlation between checking gas and registering something in your brain. Exactly. With with the task of looking at your pressure gauge. Right, and that that goes back to mindset. If if you have the mindset like all of this stuff, this instructor is teaching me. I'm supposed to put it in my head and process it. I'm supposed to use it. <laughs> I'm not supposed to just do what he says or she says. I'm supposed to use it and and act accordingly on my dive, right? Well, that would be ideal. But yeah. you see where we've gotten to right. with what we've talked about the last couple of weeks is we're just going to make the computers beep. Right, of course. Well, it's easy to fall into that. Complacency is, I mean, the beauty of complacency is it's easy. <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> right. So I love complacency. It's well, so you, easy. You know it's coming. Right? <laughs> exactly. I mean, the, yeah. the, the, the bad part of complacency, though, as we know, is that it kills. Consequences. There are consequences to not being in the game mentally. And that's what we're talking about. Yeah. Okay, well, this is a, a a new lesson for life by the good old Eric Douglas, who once again comes up with a, a great zinger. And this one is titled Checkmate. It's new from, from March of 2021. So uh, get out there and ch- check this out, people. So this story is about Joel good and his Joel. three buddies. Joel, okay. Three buddies, three diving buddies. They just began their second dive on a deep shipwreck. Is Joel the only one we get the name of, or is there? Do we get other names? You get okay. Joel and three buddies. Is Joel like the mastermind of the group? Must be. He's the one that uh, got all his buddies involved in scuba. Ah, back in college, Joel Cousteau. They called him. Yes. That was his nickname at the <laughs> at the frat house. Joel Jolie Joel Cousteau. Jolie Cousteau. <laughs> he was Italian. It's the Italian Jacques Cousteau. Jolie Cousteau. Okay. <laughs> they didn't have a lot of time at depth, 
but the conditions were good. And Joel was excited right up until he tried to take a breath. Son of a... That's uh No, no, relative. This is going to be a great a... dive. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm trying to picture this. This dive is awesome. Son of a... So Joel was a 40-year-old technical diver. You hear that? You hear me? Technical diver experienced in deco techniques. Okay. So right there's a lot of vagueness because <laughs> he was healthy. Hold it. <laughs> Again, vague, vague. These words are very vague. With yeah. no known medical condition. <laughs> well, okay, that. That's that's a little more specific, but like he's a technical diver. Let's just look at that sense. Okay, he's a technical diver. Me. What does what does that mean? Is he certified in some technical realm, like for example, in cave or, or deep mix? Or he has experience in deco techniques. Brandon. Okay, now that that's the really vague one. That's going. Well, wait a minute. Technically, you know, well, technically, every open water diver that does their three minute. 15 foot stop is experienced in deco because that is a deco technique right technically ascending is a deco technique <laughs> exactly so okay i'm i'm trying to paint a picture but I, it's like I, I have a canvas and from the words you're saying i just kind of threw a bunch of well, paint on there i didn't really paint anything it says he's a technical diver, which means he's got one of those T-shirts with the skull and the mask and the two tanks. Love that shirt. I love that shirt. <laughs> Does he have a, a a tattoo on his calf of like uh, <laughs> a guy in in twins with a spear? And a spear gun. Yeah, yes, and a, and a shark. Yeah, he's got. Yeah, he's got that tattoo. Yeah, you right know, on his yeah. calf, on the back of yeah. his calf. Yeah. He had been on this wreck several times. Okay. Joel had been. Now, the dive was conducted by all four friends who were diving off of a small charter in a lake two hours from home. The wreck rested on the sand in about 170 feet of water with its upper structure rising to 140. I was going to say, is this a Great Lakes dive? It doesn't say. But, he, I mean, it's a lake. It's got a shipwreck. Okay. A lot of inland lakes don't, when we say a shipwreck, we're talking a big, like, you yeah. know, 120-footer, 150-footer, 180-footer. When we're talking the old, like an old woody or something like that, right? This one's got an upper structure rising right. up to 140. With that, now that it's upper only structure, 30... should it could be a, a mast coming up. It could be, yeah. you know, the superstructure of a wreck. It doesn't really specify what it is, but you know, you're talking thirty feet of relief from right. the bottom. Right. Yeah. Okay. I'm just trying to. When you start yeah. talking, I'm like, oh, this you're sounds like it's in our backyard. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It very well could be. So this um, could be. We could actually know old Joel. This could be someone using an, an, an. I'm sure they changed the name for the sake of the guilty. I mean, well, protect their innocence, whatever. When, when you hear the rest of the story, you're going to realize <laughs> you might have known a few Joels. 
I may have been Joel. I wouldn't know. <laughs> the divers completed their first dive without incident. After a surface interval, they geared up for their second dive. So they did the, f- the this is the 170 foot dive? Yeah. Yeah, they're going to double dip on it. Okay, so. Okay. So they did one without incident. So they thought, hey, game on. Let's do another yeah. one. Yeah. Like you, you and I have a mm-hmm. have a dive a dive scheduled uh, late August this year out in one of our local lakes, heading out to a shipwreck right around there in that hundred and seventy feet of water range. All right, so this is uh, this is something that's not an unusual dive, although it's it's out of the realm of just a a basic recreational diver or even a, an advanced, advanced deep yeah. diving. Yeah diver right so this yeah. is in a in a technical room so you would jump in the water with a little bit of different gear than you would just a a deep shipwreck right <laughs> you'd have right the required equipment to do a technical dive if he's as you said he's technically experienced he's a technical diver deco procedures ah the infamous deco procedures class he took yes yes I, I learned how to dive on YouTube, so I'm good. I'm golden. <laughs> I got the what, what agency you certified with? YouTube. <laughs> you might know them. They're only the biggest video platform on the internets. Oh <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. The four entered the water, and after signaling. And after signaling each other and the boat, they began their descent. They stayed together as two buddy teams, and all four divers remained in general contact. During the first dive, they spent most of their time around the bow, and for this dive, they targeted the stern. The hull was there, but broken open, and they knew they could look into the engine room as well. Okay. This is narrowing down the possibilities of our of where this is. Now, because they were, Brando, experienced in deco techniques, or at least Joel was, as we learned earlier, he mentions that they plan to perform decompression stops coming up from this dive, which would, I guess would make sense, right? I hope they were goddamn... Stop coming up from 170-ish feet. <laughs> I hope I hope you would stop. And they were each using a single 100 cubic foot steel tank for their technical dive to 170 feet. A single how many? How big was it? A single 100 cubic foot steel tank. Steel tank. Steel. Well, thank God they have the steel tank. <laughs> Otherwise, this would be a tragic disaster. (laughs) But each diver also carried a small pony bottle of oxygen to use in the final 15 feet before surfacing. They Because remember, they're experienced in (laughs) deco procedures. See, they definitely did their training on YouTube. They definitely did their trip. It sealed the deal. I, I, I get it now. Are you spending all weekend 
in a classroom and diving at the quarry trying to learn advanced nitrox and decompression procedures? <laughs> Not anymore. You can take this club at this class at YouTube University. YouTube University. And you too can be experienced in deco procedures and technical diving. Grab a Steel 100. Grab a pony of oxygen. Come on down. The water's fine. Hey, don't forget your snorkel. <laughs> Brought to you by Snorkel Cyrus, <laughs> the snorkel superstore. We're here for you. So uh, I guess we should say that technical diving does not mean going, just going beyond the recreational range of depth. Mm-hmm. But it doesn't just mean going beyond the no decompression limit. Right? Taking the same old gear that you would have taken on a 90-foot dive. Right. And then just last minute going, ah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to grab this other thing for the last 15 feet and add it to me. Mm-hmm. Right? That does not make the technical diver. That does not create experience and decompression procedures oh agreed right there's just like we talked about the the pre-dive safety check there's a mindset to diving that goes beyond just the different clicks and ticks of a of a list of skills to do said class right yeah i think that's one of the biggest thing that biggest things that kind of separate the two realms of diving if you want to call them realms it's the well again it's the mindset a little more stringent and then of course uh specialized equipment and specialized techniques that really aren't taught in a recreational in the recreational realm yeah put it all together and that's technical diving there's a difference between having 200 cubic feet of gas on your back in a manifolded isolatable set of doubles versus just having one big giant 200 (laughs) cubic foot tank on your back when you're doing a technical dive right You, you learn the value of why you're diving a manifolded isolatable set of doubles right versus just having a gigantic tank and 100 cubic feet to 170 feet of water diving is really not an adequate supply of gas for that dive. Should anything go wrong, you really don't have a cushion at all. Right. And, uh, I, I mean, could you do a dive to 170 feet? Sure. Sure, you could uh, on, on that single, one, one single mm-hmm. take. But, I mean, I mean let, let's look at that. Like, it's two hours from home yeah a big long boat ride out into the lake to to get all this stuff ready to get to go all this way so that you can go to this depth and bop down there for 10 minutes and get one picture and and just you can just so you can like thump your chest and tell people that you don't did this dive whereas like anybody who's really gonna want to do that dive and do it well you know they're gonna spend 20 30 minutes at least on, on that right on on a, on a dive like that to do what you're gonna do 
which is not going to take place on a single tank. Like th- th- that's part of that conversation of why you're going to that new level of diving. Well, yeah, I mean the single tank alone thing. What comes to my mind immediately when you say single tank going to those depths are the reasons why you use a redundant air gas supply. I shouldn't say air. You have a redundant gas supply. Should something go wrong, for example, a free flow, inland lakes, the Great Lakes, even our inland lakes here that go to that depth, uh, you know you're going to be in the thir- – the temperature is going to be in the 30s. Yeah, it's cold-ass water. Free flows, easy, easy to happen on those dives. When you have a single tank, you can't shut down that reg that's free-flowing. Um, a, a little inconvenience is a major emergency on a right. single tank. That's why any instructor worth their weight is, is never going to tell you take a 100-cubic-foot tank to 170-foot of water. Right. You'll be fine. That's that's a dead giveaway of that's somebody who's not really teaching you for the long term. No, they they may have done you know jumped in the water and done that on a like I used to see the dive masters do in all these tropical locations. You know they'll be bragging about doing a hundred ninety feet, two hundred feet on a seventy two or an eighty. Um, they bop down to quote unquote rescue someone or whatever. Right, but that's not a dive. That's not a dive, number one. Number two, highly risky, highly risky. I get it if you're res- rescuing someone, yeah, but it's that's totally also a doable. chance. It's a chance to be rescuing two bodies. I shouldn't say rescue, recovering two bodies when you go do that. you got to realize that. But when you think about this dive to 170 foot on a single tank and in an inland lake with, you know, like I say, the temperature's going to be colder, so you get a free flow. Your gas exits pretty damn quick at 170 feet. And, and I know the clowns that are like, oh, well, I just go to my buddy. Well, is your buddy on twins? Are they all on these single? I mean, do we have a whole circus of clowns diving to, to you know, 170 feet on single tanks? Because 100 cubic feet of gas isn't adequate to, to supply two divers with enough gas to safely get home from that depth after they've been diving even a few minutes down there? Yes is the answer, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> Ten minutes into the dive, yeah, Joel realized something was wrong. Yeah. He attempted to take a I breath. left my iron on. Because <laughs> I was ironing my, my cool new scuba shirt with a trident, a trident ha- handling... Uh, technical diver that says bad to the bone you know (laughs) deep tech uh, etc he attempted to take a breath but there was nothing there hmm nothing there that's a bad but he but but don't forget he is experienced in deco procedures okay so (laughs) He quickly signaled his dive buddy that he was out of air. And the buddy immediately gave Joel his alternate air source. And the two linked arms and began ascending. Well, here we go. This Again, he's uh, showing his pedigree of education. His pedigree education, I should say. Uh, of the YouTube technical diving Academy. 
we linked arms, sharing gas in our single tanks from 170 feet. The the whole sentence, the whole description, it doesn't make sense. As, as well, yeah. As so this would never happen in a real technical diving class or, or from a real technical diver. Right, because shoving an octo in your dive buddy's mouth and getting to the surface is a very elementary mentality when it comes to a gas emergency, right? It's for open water divers in 30 feet of water who have really no physiological barrier. To the surface. They can just go right to the surface if need be, and, mm -hmm. and they can hail Mary their way and go, oh, my God, that was frightening because they popped up too fast and kicked each other in the shins the whole way up to the surface and nearly pulled the octo out three times along the way right that's something that new divers are experiencing and they they do when it you would get to this level <laughs> right shoving a reg in and, and yeah. bolting to the surface is not the sign of the right mindset for that environment yeah either you've had really bad training or no training so you describe this 30-foot, I run out of gas, I'm a new open water diver, I can I can just blow and go if I need to, I can go to my buddy and we can link arms, we can do exactly what they said in 30 feet, Now, and they can you know, fly to the surface and you, 99.9% .9 of the time, nothing will happen. You, you're, you'll live through it, you'll be shaken from it. And the thing, what I was going to say, James, was this, this little... Um, occurrence that we just described goes on all the time, everywhere, every day, all the time. And these people live through it. They don't die. They don't even get injured. But they have this terrible experience that frightens the shit out of them. And it doesn't get reported anywhere. So when we hear people cite statistics of safety for scuba diving, this is this not included. Yeah. yeah, I'm with you. I'm with you. That, that kind of that to me, I mean, that's what gets me. That's why when we hear people spout numbers in the industry, I, or when at least me, I'm not going to speak for you, James. When I hear people spout the safety numbers, I'm like, a these safety numbers are very misleading. Read a book on how to how to mislead people using statistics, how to lie using statistics. It's a real book. Well, hang on, hang on. It gets better. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. Hang on. I'm, I'm just going to say these numbers don't go into the statistics. So, okay, so I mean, it, the safety so listen, level of diving is good because nobody's hearing about this shit. Right. I'm with you. I'm with yeah, you. It's very forgiving. Okay. So, remember, they linked arms, began ascending. At 30 feet, Joel's buddy paused to make his first deco stop. Deco the stop? Yes, <laughs> deco thirty feet, eh? They're experienced right. in deco procedures, this Brando. Is, this is definitely a YouTube Academy graduate. <laughs> He's probably uh, the distinguished graduate of the class. <laughs> well, there's a. Are you saying there's no logical base to a, a thirty foot first deco stop? Well, not really. I, I'm trying to think, like back in the day, even would a dive to 170 foot had their first stop at 30 feet, maybe with a U.S. Navy dive table, and they just spent, you know, whatever, a few minutes at 170 feet. But in today's world, any, any you know, 
tech diving instructor or tech diving agency worth their salt is is going to be teaching your stop start much deeper the mentality in today's world and when i say today from 2000 on up <laughs> really so 20 years is means today yeah uh you you're going to start stopping deeper a lot deeper than 30 feet he says the divers hadn't been at depth for long but the man didn't want to take any chances he knew they had likely ascended faster than recommended. Now, where's the rest of the team? Well, well. so listen, part of technical diver training, you are going to make the assumption in the training, and you are going to learn properly that if you did have a situation like this, that, that somebody lost all of their gas, you're going to learn how to make a nice ascent and never in there is the likeliness <laughs> that you're going to get scared and ascend faster than recommended. Right? That's why you've, you've taken proper training so that you have the tools with you even knowing something like this could occur. Right. Yeah, the, the, when the shit hits the fan, you don't just bolt. Right. When the shit hits the fan, that's when the realness of your training finally comes together so that you can still do it properly despite everything that's working against you. Joel stopped with his buddy for a moment, but then dropped the alternate air source and began swimming for the surface without a regulator in his mouth. Hmm. He was carrying an oxygen-filled pony bottle, but he did not stop to use it nor to attempt a decompression at 15 feet. So that sounds to me just like pure panic. He panicked, lost complete thought, and uh, took off. Well, it sounds to me like Joel actually, in fact, did not have experience <laughs> in deco procedures. <laughs> because, number one, if with 100% O2, you wouldn't have stopped at 30 feet right for making your decompression switch mm -hmm. and you certainly wouldn't have picked to even if you decided to stop at 30 and then come up to 20 you wouldn't have skipped the 20 and went up to 15 with your right why oh two bottles yes unless of course that is what was being taught at youtube academy of technical yes. divers of america <laughs> of america worldwide it's technical divers worldwide youtube academy is international pangalactic it's throughout the solar system reaching the surface joel signaled for help from the boat and then lost consciousness well it's gonna happen he was about, <laughs> he was about 50 feet away and it took the crew a few minutes to reach him they found him about five feet underwater since Joel had not been able to inflate his BCD, the crew immediately began resuscitation, but Joel never regained consciousness. The medical examiner concluded the primary cause of death was air embolism after a rapid ascent. Secondary cause was drowning. So he, he ended up with an embolism. Do you think that happened... 
that had I'm I'm gonna go out on a limb here and kind of speculate because that's all we can do because right, Joel's yeah. not with us, and neither are the other people. But um, that had to have happened from the, from the bottom to that thirty foot, and I'm thinking that's why he bolted because he was having difficulty breathing because he embolized. Well, remember that he. The, he uh... Are they saying the air embolism was in the lungs? Was it a, or did it did it travel? Yeah, well, well, no, yo, yeah. yeah, because they they said that he dropped the alternate air source, right? And began swimming for the surface, right? And that's what right, I'm thinking. Blue and blue right past is, you know, the the the, the thought of the, switching to that O2 bottle, exactly, which may have saved I, his I life. I shouldn't even call it. I shouldn't even call it an O2 bottle because. I'm going to call it what bottle. they really say. It's a pony bottle that happens yes. to have some O2 in it, which is a big difference from carrying an O2 bottle, an, an oxygen decompression bottle, yes. properly rigged and marked, ready to service a job when you hit 20 feet of water. Oh, yeah. That's a huge difference. Yeah, the pony bottle thing. I mean, I know – I don't need – I'm trying to think, is there – is there a good – we use different terms. You have swing bottle, you have stage bottle, you have deco bottle, and then you have pony bottle, all of which kind of connotate these, this extra bottle you're carrying. Uh, yeah, and, and, right? and for today's diver, they can all look kind of the same thing. If you're not well-trained, yeah, unless you, you go to YouTube Academy where they <laughs> actually teach the differences between these, <laughs> how to use them. Uh, but – yeah, the fact that he's calling it a pony bottle. Do you use the term pony bottle ever to describe what you're doing? No. 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 Good God, no. no. It's my like fear flippers. Of being publicly shamed. I got I my flippers, done. my goggles, my snorkel, and my pony bottle, and I'm going diving. Okay. They're split flippers. They're split here's, flippers. Here's your YouTube Academy <laughs> of Underwater Technical Diving card back, sir. <laughs> here's your certificate, your wall certificate the class is 350 dollars. the wall certificate is included <laughs> and it's really nice <laughs> but it's basically a video <laughs> an investigation revealed now this is going to surprise you that joel had never switched out his first tank well when we started this story and after you said they're going on their second dive that's the immediate conclusion my mind kind of went to was okay the tragedy is because he forgot to switch out bottles which he you don't have to do yeah go ahead he began a second dive on the reserve he had surfaced with after his first and then ran out of breathing gas on the bottom yeah minutes into the dive how minutes much reserve in, yeah. do you think you have when you dive to 170 foot with a 100 cubic foot bottle just popping down for a couple minutes is going to take up half the bottle. Well, right, yeah, depending yeah, ten, how good you are with roughly, gas. But yeah, I mean, yeah, sure. You're, you're, in, you're in six addas of depth, breathing four or five cubic feet a minute on the bottom. I mean, so in 10 minutes, you've consumed almost half the bottle, yeah. Right. On the first dive, and you know the first dive wasn't only 10 minutes. James, that's that's just the bottom time, you know. It, I'm assuming the, he put his incredible deco procedures into <laughs> action into the on the ascent. So he's got to he's got to have used up some of his gas on the ascent too. So Yeah, the first dive he didn't he didn't rocket to the surface in a panic. He came right. up slowly with with his other three buddies. So you know we used a big chunk of gas on that too. Yeah. 
Yeah, so if he had a thousand psi in there, depending on what kind of tank it is, but so let's say he has a third of his bottle left, let's go. We could even say a little over a third. I don't. That's not much gas, right? And a single one hundred. This is the problem when nothing happens. Okay, not to sidetrack us, or, but that's kind of my job. But this is what happens when you perform these dives all the time and nothing goes wrong, right? You (laughs) all of a sudden have a new bar of what you can get away with. And you think that, oh, well, this is, when I say you think that, it's It's the, it's it's called the, that used to be a stupid idea bar. (laughs) But (laughs) we've just moved the, that used to be a stupid idea bar. Yeah, they get away with a dive to 170 feet with a 100-cubic-foot bottle. They get away with it. They do a Let's say they do a 15-minute dive, and they think, this was easy. Now that's the bar right there. 100-cubic-foot is plenty of gas for a 15-minute dive to, you know, 170 feet. Yeah, my, to- my computer totally cleared and everything by the, yeah. by the time I got on the boat. Yeah. I had the green light, man. Yeah, I... Um, there's so much in the story that goes goes with what we try to tell divers. Like this isn't a especially back in mid 2000s, you know, the 2000 five, six, seven, eight, whatever. Right, right. I mean, and even I mean, before that, yeah. I mean, coming out coming out of the, you know, technical classes in the 90s and into 2000s. Mm-hmm. You would like to think that in 2021, this isn't even a consideration anymore. I'd like to think that, but you know what? I can't. You know why? <laughs> yeah, because this, this story is from last month. That's why. But I can't. All right, so Eric tells us in the analysis that sometimes divers become overconfident and take shortcuts. They assume their personal experience will help them overcome any situation statistics show that accidents occur not just when divers are novices but sometimes after divers gain experience and lower their guard in joel's case there was confusion during the surface interval joel may have thought he heard his friend say he had switched out joel's tank but he was mistaken regardless of how it happened Joel began a deep dive with a mostly empty tank. Finding yourself out of air at depth can be scary, regardless of your experience, he says. While it's unlikely he was in a full-blown panic at that point, based on his buddy's description, it's fair to say that Joel was likely scared and worried. Well, no shit, right? Scared, worried. uh, Again, I think he embolized already. And that's why he blew. He's like, I got to get out. I can't breathe. I got to get out of here. He felt Yeah, it. I mean, I don't care how, how good and experienced of a diver you are. If you unexpectedly run out of gas, mm-hmm. it's not just you're going to be perfectly calm and, no. and handle things by procedure. It's going to be a pretty scary, worrisome situation that hopefully you've got the training and the team that it doesn't escalate into a panic. Right. Now, if you just kind of have some deco (laughs) procedure (laughs) experience experience 
and claim to be a technical diver, I'm sorry, man, but it, it, it it's not going to be that simple. No. And, well, the problem I, I'm, I'm seeing or we see a lot, um, especially with this story, is you're using this word experience. Um, and all that I means— don't... I don't think you know what it means. <laughs> I don't think, yeah. <laughs> all it, I mean, in its vaguest term, or in its most vague term, it, it just means you've done it before. How doesn't say how many times you do it. doesn't even say if you've been trained really to do it. It just says you have been experienced in it. Yes. Okay. I watched a YouTube video on it. I, I know what they mean by deco procedures. O- officially, that's experience. I've got experience. And so, also, that experience has to be the right experience. It's like the old saying, practice makes perfect. Basically, practice is experience, right? Practice yeah. makes perfect. And that's not true. The, and we learned that pretty, pretty early from one of our instructors. Uh, it's not practice makes perfect. It's perfect practice makes perfect, okay? So you have to be practicing the right skills, things. You have to learn the right material. It has to be well thought out and i keep using the word correct and right like there's only there's only this one way or one way of thinking and that's not what i'm trying to get at what i'm trying to get at is obviously joel's experience was not good experience it was he was setting that bar every time he went and did something ridiculous like a 170 foot dive on a single tank even if it is 100 cubic foot that's still not a lot of gas but every time he did that it set the bars like, oh, I, I lived. I must, be, I must have done it right, and that's my experience bank right now, and that's how Correct. I go. Yeah. yeah, Eric says that two divers breathing off of one tank can be awkward, especially if you haven't practiced the emergency procedure. Many divers never practice rescue drills after their open water course unless they advance through rescue diver or become a dive master instructor. And even divers who practice those drills might have trouble ascending with an alternate air source if they have never done it with that particular buddy, making it even more difficult. And Joel chose to continue to the surface when his buddy paused to make a decompression stop. It was likely that he saw the surface 30 feet above and his mind told him that was safety. This is an indication of the perceptual narrowing comes with panic mm-hmm. you feel your options narrowing to simple fight or flight in joel's mind said flee to the surface yeah yeah he may have he may have embolized in the, that 30 foot bolt uh yeah, yeah you know it's that's easy to do too it's two to one expansion and you have no gas in your mouth <laughs> you know so you, you instinctively hold your breath yeah and that we're never you know you, we never know Mm-hmm. You know, for, from what hey, really occurred. Here's a question for you. I, I, I mean, both of us have taken many, many technical diving classes from all the agencies. Most all the. I mean, I, I can't. I, I shouldn't say that. Not every agency, but a number of big agencies. Both of us. In any of them, in any of those technical classes, were you taught the blow and go, the <laughs> drop everything and fly to the surface? No. Oh. It, it, we, that's where you are taught to not do a blow and go. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Right? Because the blow and go 
is likely immediate death at that point. Yeah, that's like I'm going to teach you how to kill yourself. You know, if if you had a chance, you don't anymore. <laughs> that's what you did. You just removed any chance of survival when you blow and go from that kind of dive. Yeah, I mean, I mean that's what, in, in my opinion, that's what technical diving is supposed to be teaching is you have left the world where the surface is the happy, safe place. You can't get there, right. You can't go to the surface in an emergency. Mm-hmm. You have to stay down and sort your shit out underwater. So you need to start the dive knowing that, bringing the tools with you knowing that, that no matter how bad the shit gets, going to the surface is the wrong answer in a panic. You know what that is, James? That's called mindset. That is mindset right there. So if you are taught a mindset in open water 101 and, and move down through your specialty classes and your, your advanced diver and your rescue diver or whatever you end up taking in that recreational world where the mindset is I can always blow and go, ditch my weights and do a, a positively buoyant emergency ascent. Right, and, and this is the problem of how that sets up the diver. You know, we, we looked at this, you know, a number of times in the past of there's going to be a breakdown at some point in the consistency of that thinking. Right. And divers have, have a knack for just buying a bigger tank so they can stay down longer and they can go deeper and they buy a better computer <laughs> so it's going to show them yes. more, you know, I can change the gradient factor so now I can do a, a, a uh-huh. deeper dive and, and they think all it is is, is equipment that's going to get me to 200 feet of water. Exactly. And it's not. It's the mindset is what is really needed. Well, it's a combination. I mean, you do need proper equipment, but the mindset is much more, A, it's harder to get, um, and <laughs> B, it's much more impactful than, than proper equipment, you know, than equipment, in my humble opinion. But again, when you have that, that um, law of primacy in, in action right there, which is, okay, all, all my diving, you know, I'm learning my recreational diving. I know people want to jump into technical after, you know, six months of wreck. Uh, stupid move, bad, dumb, ridiculous. Um, but the real issue I'm trying to get at is you've been in, in recreational for years, let's say, and all you've known is that that back-of-the-mind type mindset, which is I can always blow and go. I can always just bolt to the surface. Then all of a sudden you get into technical. Now you have to somehow erase that mentality, and it's right, hard. Cause, yeah, because it's inconsistent with diving at that level. Right. That's why, you know, we looked at this, you know, when we did the last cave diving month. Of yeah. If, if education was based instead, right? remember we talked about how it went two ways, right? Mm-hmm. The cave diving was the stepchild and then recreational diving was the, the right. way. But when you want to go that way, you have to relearn everything. And this is, right. the same, this is the same situation, right? Is there's an inconsistency in the model that you're going to hit a level where you have to relearn it all. Yes. Case in point. Right. He says, in Joel's case, he either forgot to do a pre-dive safety check or quite possibly thought he didn't need to. Hmm. He never looked at his pressure gauge. If he had, he would have noticed something was wrong, and this incident would not have happened. 
He simply took a breath from his regulator to make sure air was on, and he emptied and he entered the water. That simple check or possibly rushing to get in the water spelled the difference between a successful, fun dive and one with a devastating outcome. Oh, yeah. And we talked about this at the beginning of the episode today is the mindset is what would have taken him from just looking at the gauge even. And without the right mindset, he would have looked at the gauge drop the gauge because the regulator was breathing and not even registered what he was really seeing because he's got so much going on with getting in the water. Yeah. Uh, it's more it's more than just looking at the gauge. Right. Is well, what I I'm mean, saying. Right? Yeah, of course. Yeah. I mean, like, like say, we know, we know this because this is what we, we teach them. I mean, this, this kind of incident illustrates everything that we've been saying. As far as when we when I'm teaching divers, when you're teaching divers, doing the little thing like I say, check your gas, and then I'll ask them 30 seconds later, and if they have to go back and check it, we got an issue, we got a problem. So Eric closes out by saying that a simple check, or possibly rushing to get in the water, spelled the difference between a successful fun dive and one with a devastating outcome. Yeah, I don't I don't think you could even even if they've come back from that dive alive and everything, you know, everything's fine and n- none of this happened. It's not really a successful dive. That dive right there A is a is a setting of the bar, the new the new, you know, uh, what's it called? Normalization of deviance. I think we go back to some of Gareth's work, right? Right, yeah. That's Talking. exactly it's exactly it. Is Yeah. It may have been a fun dive. But it's not a successful one. It may no. be they may have completed it. It may be successful mm-hmm. in the fact that they didn't dive. But it's not what anybody with a real level of knowledge and understanding of the game as it's played today would call successful. I'd go even further and go. It's actually it's unsuccessful in the sense of it's promoted you to keep doing this. This is this yeah, is yeah. actually a mistake that's made you. You haven't realized the mistake, so you think this is this works. It's like <laughs> doing something yeah. wrong over and over. You just happen to not have a, a, a terrible tragedy, but you keep doing it so it, because nothing's happened yet. Yeah, this is four divers doing a dive in 1987, right, going to 200 feet on the single 72 because either you got the balls to do the dive or you don't. Ah. It's it, it's not how the game is played in 2021. No. It's not balls. That's just stupid. I mean. Right. I, I'm know, with you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's not thought out. I, I, don't, I don't mean to sound like I'm just calling people names and it's so easy looking back in hindsight. I mean, I feel for these guys because I don't blame the guys, the, the divers so much as I blame their training and their mindset. Yeah. Because they the, were taught that this was an acceptable form yeah. of behavior. Yeah. Well, or they were never taught a proper mindset in open water 101, which is, hey, you need to approach this activity with a, a, a great level of respect. Yes, it's very forgiving, but stupid actually catches up to you one day. Eric gives us three lessons for life. One, do a pre-dive safety check. Experienced divers often think this is something for newbie divers. But really, it's for everyone. 
Butt wipers are real fun. <laughs> Don't forget yes, it, man. Yes, they are. Yes, <laughs> they are. Don't become complacent. Your dive gear is life support equipment. It allows you to enter an alien environment. Never take it for granted. And three, practice emergency drills. Take the opportunity, he says, when you make a safety stop to practice alternate air source breathing with your regular dive buddy. Regularly practice self-rescue skills like mass clearing, regulator recovery, and cramp release as well. You never know when you might need them. And although those are important lessons for life, no doubt about it, that mean that mean practicing emergency drills should just be routine good diving behavior yeah i mean more there's more too and i I think we've illustrated it a lot throughout this episode well there's way more to practice again i mean like i said like like we both have said it's not just you don't just practice something you have to be practicing the right (laughs) the right skills and when i say right i mean thought out skills this was not a thought out skill this was what they did was a recreational gas share that they learned in Scuba 101, and that's it. That's what they did. They did, they did not do a technical deep uh, rescue there. Air no, share, they did not. Yeah. Yeah, they, they took a basic open water 101 skill and tried to apply it in 170 mm-hmm. feet of water. It doesn't work very well. No, it doesn't. Not, not with the right thinking. I mean, it's that's the very thing is it's so easy and so many divers are out there doing that where they just they take their basic recreational knowledge and they try to apply that thinking and that equipment in a technical environment Mm -hmm. and it works a couple times and it becomes where that type of diving is just all you got to do is look at your computer and let it clear out into the green zone and you'll be fine. That, mm. that, I mean, that's all it takes to do a 170-foot dive. <laughs> that's it. I got a new Shearwater. I'm going yeah, down, we just, baby. <laughs> we, just, we just did it on the dive before. That's all it takes. <laughs> yeah. What could go wrong? We've already done this dive. Yeah. Uh, all right, everybody. Well, hey, thanks for joining us on this Lesson for Life. I hope you don't get checkmated out there, people. I hope they got something uh, of value out of this little talk, this little story, because to me, this is one of the most important things in the, in the way we teach diving. It, it's that mindset. It's just the mental approach to diving, right? Almost everything I, I heard in the story just showed you're coming into diving like all I need is to know um, that don't hold my breath, which apparently I know you knew it. You had to because you're experienced you technical deco procedures. You had to know it to get an open water car, yeah. But you still did it, okay? So there's a breakdown there. You didn't have proper equipment. There's a breakdown there. You didn't check your equipment. There's a breakdown there. I mean, we can go down on all the mistakes that were made, but again, Gareth would say that doesn't help the problem. Everybody no. makes mistakes. What really Correct. helps the problem in the analysis of this little incident is, to me, it's mindset. The mindset yes. was created somehow. How, how was this created? And when we examine the scuba industry like we have, 
the the mainstream scuba industry we examine it and, and comment and take take you know a close look at it we see the same thing over and over and it's this this mindset like i can always just blow and go if if i need to so i can panic and bolt to the surface and then when you get into you start bopping down to 170 feet on single tanks and you live well now you think i'm good i'm good to go on 170 feet now i check that box but you're not really <laughs> yeah and and then the the only reason for a second tank becomes so I can stay, stay a little longer. bit longer. <laughs> exactly, I can stay a little longer now. And, and that, it's yeah, all gravy. But but you're completely missing the big picture, which is learning a philosophical base to to apply to all of your diving. Right, an approach rather than just picking and plucking silly tools to add to a different environment stuff that you can get off youtube now, and, and i i know we were making fun and i know and i am making fun because i'm trying to keep a little bit of laughter and tragedy but yes when we talk about youtube academy that's that's real in the sense of there's a lot of people that believe like even when i was teaching with GUE, a lot of people believed that you could learn the things we were teaching in a in a video and so when andrew was putting out videos of how to do the back kick or how to do whatever. A lot of people worried, like, aren't you going to lose students? And and Andrew, of course, realizes all this. He's like, fuck no. The, the fundamentals and essentials and that DIR approach, it's not, it's not anything you can learn on YouTube. It's not the back kick. Those are just elements of it. It's the mindset and the approach. Uh, that's the hard thing to teach. Hundred percent. Yeah. So. All right, everybody. But I want to uh, leave on a funny some... note, James. I wanted to leave on a funny note. That was kind of a serious, somber. You know, let's get serious. Goddamn it. All right, let's sign some logbooks in. Okay, let's sign some logbooks. Brando, your <laughs> deco procedures are awesome. awesome. <laughs> Where did you learn those? Dear Jamesy, uh, I noticed you put into in fact all the stuff we learned on YouTube last week with that where to store your snorkel on a technical dive. You must have learned that on YouTube. YouTube uh, hints for new divers, hints for technical divers. What kind of new YouTube channel should we make? I think we should just call it the YouTube Academy of Worldwide Technical. Perfect. All right, everybody. We'll talk to you. It's an idea. The Scuba Grinch Christmas special. I think we need that. Next year, I'm going to start drawing up some cartoons. Although Dr. Dr. Seuss is a bad man right now, so but we could bring him back. Maybe we can bring him back into the... The goodness he once was. I'm sure yeah. we could do it. If anybody could do it. If anybody could do it. <laughs> it would be us. Our politically correct take on Dr. Dr. Seuss's How the Grinch Stole Christmas. Should be good. The cat in the scuba tank. <laughs> I was going to say, how the Grinch stole my scuba tanks. No, how the Grinch, how the Grinch blew his deco.